time for midday. It's 11.30 on this Wednesday, February 10th. Tyler Cavalli along with you. Thanks for hanging out with us here today. Sun is beginning to shine through some of these clouds here a little bit, though temperatures not expected to warm up all that much from what we're seeing right now. Maybe some more teens will pop up, but also a chance of flurries here throughout today and the rest of this week and into this weekend. But of course, we'll find out more about that and our regional ag weather update coming up at 11.45. Coming up, we'll also hear from uh, Jason Jorgensen in sports. He's on the road with UNK, and uh, Bob Rogan will join us and tell us how stocks are doing. But let's send things out of the eastern side of the state to our own Susan Littlefield. And Susan, are you, are you basically numb at this point? Yeah, that's pretty much how I would describe it. Yeah, we were uh, talking, I believe I saw your tweet as well, that... It is interesting, though, you almost feel acclimated a little bit to these temperatures, which is weird. It is, because so yesterday morning, it was like 20 below, 21 below, somewhere right around in there. Um, Feels like air temperature. And this morning when I walked outside at at 4.30 in the morning, it was like minus 2. And it was like, whew, we warmed up. (laughs) Yeah. You know, that's not. I don't know if that's a good sign for us when we're, you're, you're like, hey, this is warm at negative two degrees. I don't think that's good. So, Well, it's going to get us through the next couple of days. Well, actually, the next week, right, according to right, the weather. So right. we'll take it for now. Well, what do you have for us coming up on midday? Well, we're going to kick everything off at 1219. It's kind of an issue with those in agriculture when you want to go buy a new vehicle and you're looking at a truck and you're wondering, does this salesman really know what I do? Well, there's an organization that's helping producers take care of that situation. So we'll find out more about that. Then at 1245, Alex steps in as the Kansas Beef Council's executive director, shares highlights from the 2021 cattle industry winter business meetings. And then I'll wrap up everything at 117. This is part two of our discussion with Lincoln Premium Poultry, but this time we speak to the president, uh, Leah Garces. She's president of Mercy for Animals. Mm. So we get her perspective, and it was... um, Let's just put it this way. It was a very interesting interview, All right. to say the least. Well, we look forward to it. Appreciate it, and uh, stay warm out there. Yes, so much. Thanks. All right. Thank you very much. Let's turn things over to uh, Jason. Well, the Husker men are back at again tonight. Of course, we've touched on this before. It has been a long time since Nebraska has won a Big Ten game. You have to go back all the way to last January when they bumped off Iowa. They dropped 24 in a row. Tough one tonight at home against 21st-ranked Wisconsin Late game, tip-off won't be until around 8.40, but we will bring you the game tonight here on 880-KRVN. Despite winning both of its games last week, the UNK women's basketball team dropped a couple of spots to 13th and 15th in the national polls this week. The Lopers are 14-2. and They are tied for the lead in the MIAH standings. Both UNK women and men will be in Oklahoma this week. Tomorrow night, the Lopers take on Northeastern State. We will bring you those games over on 93.1 The River and 106.9 in Kearney. UNK's Matt Malcolm has been named this week's MIAA Wrestler of the Week. He's ranked second in the country, and he has been dominant. He's 9-0 and this year and has outscored his opponents 110-12. to So those stories and much more. All coming up in sports. All right, thank you very much, Jason. Let's turn things over to Bob. And how are stocks looking so far? Stocks have given up an early gain and turned mixed in trading on Wall Street. We're going to be uh, watching that all day long. And also consumer prices rose just a little bit in January. We'll talk about that as well. All right, very good. Let's take the... 
Time for regional ag weather update. It's brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation, your Ranky dealer. Paul Perkins now joining us in the studio again. And, well, Paul, at least right here at the station, we're seeing a little bit of sunshine for once. Exactly. A mix of sun and clouds. We'll see a little bit more cloud cover as the day goes on. But a big thing was the much warmer temperatures this morning, even though you may not think the low single digits are warming, but a lot of t- locations had temperatures about 20 degrees warmer than what we had yesterday morning because we had locations into about 15 to 20 below for morning lows. And this morning, a lot of us were just above zero. Wow. All right. So no minus 25 <laughs> the wind chill yesterday. Uh, no. And luckily, the winds were on the much lighter side. We did get down to two below this morning in Ainsworth and O'Neill in northern Nebraska. Hastings did stick down to one below. The nation's low was 38 below in Cup Bank, Montana, and there were parts of Montana with wind chills as low as 52 oh, below zero. Goodness. And we're going to potentially see not 50, but 40 below by Sunday morning, right? Exactly. That potential a little less right now, but uh, definitely looking at the potential of uh, mm. wind chills of 30 below by uh, Sunday morning and probably actually Saturday morning, too, close to it anyhow. And you just found out some more unfortunate news about uh, more snow moving in. Yeah, they've revised those snowfall totals a little higher. It looks like uh, much of southern Nebraska seeing the potential of one to three inches of snow. Then the northern two-thirds of Nebraska, or if you're along the north of Highway 92, about four to eight inches of snow possible as we head into Friday into Friday night. Is this going to be that kind of snow that we saw last weekend, or is it going to be kind of that wet, heavy snow? Very likely it'll be uh, that uh, fluffy snow once again, and not a whole lot of moisture with it, but when it's so cold like this, that snow just fluffs up and accumulates very quickly. So. Well, can you tell us about a forecast here today in the future? Right now we do have temperatures pretty much in the upper single digits to low teens across the area. Uh, low pressure anchored over Canada will continue to push our very cold Arctic air to the south, keeping our temperatures as low as 43, 40 degrees below normal all the way through Sunday. It looks like Sunday, the coldest of the next seven days. Flurries are possible for today through tomorrow night with some weak disturbances tracking to the east. Likely chance of snow on the way by Friday into Friday night when that area of low pressure over Canada tracks a little bit farther to the south. Most of the snow accumulations in southern Nebraska expected to range about 2 to 3 inches. Accumulations around 4 to 8 inches will be possible in the northern two-thirds of Nebraska or if you're along the north of Highway 92. Snow chances will then linger through Sunday night. Early next week looks to be mostly dry. The most brutal of that Arctic air pushing south for Friday into the weekend. Many locations will see daytime highs only around zero with overnight lows in the teens below zero for that period of Friday through the weekend. Wind chills of 30 below or colder are still expected. There's now, right now, the little less potential of seeing those wind chills as low as 40 below. In the long-term forecast, below normal temperatures are likely for Nebraska and Kansas Monday through February 23rd, especially early on next week, that better potential of colder than normal temperatures. Near normal to slightly above normal precipitation is predicted for early next week for Nebraska and Kansas. A drier outlook of below normal precipitation indicated by late next week through the 23rd. Weather factors driving the markets include mostly favorable crop weather for South America and snowfall chances in wheat areas of the southern plains in the U.S. over the next several days. Multiple storms will travel along a boundary between some warm air across the deep south and frigid conditions farther north. A strong storm will blanket the central and southern plains with a late week snow 
early in the weekend. That storm should result in additional wintry precipitation in parts of the east and lower Midwest. Late in the weekend, another winter storm tracking across the central and southern plains. Southern plains wheat areas will be very cold the next five to seven days with temperatures plunging to near or below zero. Several snows forecast for the southern plains and that will offer some protection for the wheat against the bitter cold. In the northern plains, well below normal temperatures will be stressful to livestock and also hinder transportation. Colder patterns should remain in place through the next 10 to 14 days. Central Brazil will moderate to heavy. We'll see some moderate to heavy rain during the late part of this week. Rain will delay the soybean harvest for central Brazil, but also will benefit the soil moisture ahead of planting the second crop corn. Southern Brazil looks to be lighter with their rainfall. So probably not going to see much of a warm-up today as we are probably getting used to at this point. Uh, but colder temperatures certainly on the way. Exactly. Uh, so much enjoy today and tomorrow because that's when we'll see these temperatures pretty much right around 10 above, but much colder for Friday into the weekend. All right, very good. Uh, for a full weather forecast, where can somebody find that at? Weather page, krvn.com. It's a daunting task when you have to buy a new vehicle and wonder, do they get what I do in agriculture? Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. I had a conversation with Pat Driscoll. He is head of Certified Agriculture Dealership Program that takes place to match up those dealers with those in agriculture. No, Susan, the program is all about doing what we can through some non-traditional channels, if you will, bringing value to our farm and ranch family across the country. You know, we, we all, agriculture is a huge consumer of trucks. Uh, let's just put that out there right up front. Uh, but unfortunately, most truck dealers don't actually recognize themselves as an agribusiness. And so what we've done with this program is we've zeroed in on truck dealers to begin with, uh, and I think, you know, we're going to be talking a little bit about how the program's growing, but for the time being, we've zeroed in on truck dealers uh, to say, you are an agribusiness. Uh, you need to recognize yourself that way. We've, we've got a really unique program that accomplishes what agriculture would like to see from a farm supplier that sells trucks. Uh, that's uh, not just a durable product, but also a knowledgeable dealer, somebody that knows who we are, that that understands our business model and what drives our decisions, what's important to us, what's not and when, uh, and then can provide the, the value proposition that we're looking for on our farms and ranches. Uh, it's not about cash incentives or interest incentives. It's about a bigger solution that we'd like to be able to achieve through that truck, a profitable solution uh, and an efficiency solution. And that's what we do with this program at the 80,000-foot level. What has been some of the initial reactions, Pat, to these these truck dealers when they are an ag business? Well, like any business, uh, the first thing they're going to say is, how does it affect my bottom line? Uh, and uh, and so one of the very first things we do, Susan, is we share with them just how big agriculture is in their area. Without fail, they are amazed. We present U.S. Department of Agriculture census data uh, that shows how many farms of all sizes there are in that area, the types of production, uh, all the things that the census contains, and dealers are just flabbergasted. Even when there's a cornfield across the road, from the dealership. They're just amazed at how big agriculture is and how many trucks they consume. Uh, and, and it's at that point that we really see the acknowledgement on their part that we do need to do more uh, to serve this customer because uh, uh, because they consume a lot of trucks and they're in our community. 
Uh, and so the, the response is overwhelmingly positive. We've even, I got to share this. We've even had dealers come to us uh, that, that we would have never approached because they're in a very metro area. I, I, I look at the Croton on the Hudson in New York. This is a suburb of New York City. We had to go five counties out from the store to find a couple hundred farms. And, and they wanted in the program just because they had a small handful of farmers that, that were customers of theirs from, from within those five counties. And, and they've been with us for three years now as a certified ag dealer. So the response from dealers is overwhelmingly positive once you help them understand that agriculture is a big part of, of where they live. So where is this program going from here? Because you've already made some big headways. We have. We have. And and, and we will continue to make uh, a big. We're, we're over 300 dealers nationwide that are certified agriculture dealers. Uh, the, the demand as agriculture learns more about AgPAC. And that means they want further information from an ag perspective. Patrick Skull with Certified Ag Dealers. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. It's time for Midday Sports. Here's Jason. Hey, thanks, Tyler. Well, the Nebraska men's basketball team will try again. It's their first home game since January 10th as they host 21st-ranked Wisconsin. Of course, Nebraska has not won a Big Ten game in a long time. You have to go all the way back to early January of last year. They've dropped 24 in a row overall. Tonight's game is a late one against the 21st-ranked Badgers. Tip-off set for around 840. We'll bring you the game tonight on KRVN. Despite winning both of its games last week, the UNK basketball team, the women's team, actually dropped to 13th and 15th in the national polls this week. The Lobers are 14-2 and and will play at Northeastern State tomorrow night in Rogers State on Saturday. UNK will be big favorites in those games. They're currently tied for the lead in the MIAA standings. We will have the Loper games this week on the road on 93.1 The River and 106.9 at Cardi. Husker softball team finally has a schedule. They will play a 44-game conference-only schedule. The Huskers will play multiple games against all of the other 13 Big Ten squads. The 44-game schedule breakdown includes 12 games played over two weekends in Florida. The Huskers' home opener is set for late March when they welcome in Penn State. UNK's Matt Malcolm, who's having a wonderful year, has been named this week's MIAA Wrestler of the Week, ranked second in the country at 165 pounds. Malcolm helped second-ranked UNK knock off 24th-ranked Newman last week, 42 to nothing. Malcolm is 9 and 0 on the year and has been dominant. He's outscored his opponents 110. To 12. Last night, Lexington Junior Sarah Trapper went over 1,000 points in her career. The Minute Maids fell on a close one to Aurora. Trapper's been a three-year starter for the Minute Maids and has averaged close to 20 points per game this season. Lexington will host Adams Central tomorrow night. We will bring you those games on Cami Country. The NSAA Girls State Bowling Tournament is taking place today. That will eventually wrap up in Lincoln. That is a look at sports. For more, you can find that anytime at krvn.com. I'm Jason Jorgensen. Wrapping up last week was the 2021 Cattle Industry Winter Business Meetings that took place instead 
of the annual Cattle Industry Convention and NCBA trade show. I'm Alex Wojcicki for the Rural Radio Network, and joining me on the phone today is Kevin Thielen. He is the executive director of the Kansas Beef Council. And Kevin, I understand these meeting meetings were still pretty busy, even though they were held virtually. Um, tell us about some of the things that you guys were discussing. Yeah, well, first off, Alex, thank you. And, um, you know, always appreciate giving everybody an update as to what's going on. So normally this is the week where the beef industry comes together for the annual cattle industry convention. And uh, from a checkoff standpoint, that basically is a lot of um, committee meetings that are that are broken up and, you know, cover a kind of an array of different projects and tactics that are, are kind of, um, voted on and approved by cattle producers, targeting, you know, both industry opportunities, but also some threats. And so, um, with uh, COVID, the decision was made that this was all going to be virtual this year. Um, and so, actually, what what has been happening is through Zoom and other technologies, you know, just pulling committee members together. And w- what is happening? Um, is hearing updates on how things went in 2020 and then also starting to focus at planning and and opportunities that are going to come all the way out in 2022 and so it's been kind of neat to to hear a lot of you know the areas all the way from international marketing with USMEF to domestic marketing with the National Cattle and Beef Association to um, North American Meat Institute, who who does some work on um, processed meats or prepared meats, um, um, you know, just a host of different opportunities and and just different contractors who use checkoff dollars and do varying um, degrees of work, kind of throughout the year. And so that's really where we're at. One of the things that I think we need to highlight that that ended up being a real real positive for us and. Um, even with um, you know what cattle prices are, and I've I've got some cattle on feed right now, and and when you're dealing with high corn prices, and you know maybe the end market price is not what they want. From a checkoff standpoint, demand for beef has been just exceptional, and um, that you know there was a concern when we went into the pandemic back in in March that um, you know maybe people were gonna shift off of beef and maybe go to other protein sources. That has not happened. And so as we're starting the year in 2021, we have a consumer who's really demanding a lot of beef. And of course, right now, most of the sales are happening still at retail. And the expectation is, as we get further into 2021, um, we're going to see more of our sales maybe, hopefully, go back to restaurants. And that's also very positive for us from a beef industry standpoint because that just helps with margin. So um, there's just a lot of moving pieces here, but but a lot of upside, I think, as we look at the rest of 2021. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of great information came out of these meetings. What would you say are some of the key takeaways that these cattle producers should be taking as we move into 2021 and look forward to 2022? Well, there's... First off, all of this information um, is available to folks if they if they have an interest. You know, they can just essentially um, go to Google and they'll if they pull up the Cattlemen's Beef Board, there's a meeting center, and so they can hear most of the updates or at least look at a lot of the materials that have been prepared. 
But one of the things that, for me personally, that has really um, stuck with me is I think we have a consumer who is going to be um, thinking more about sustainability. And, you know, we got to be careful because um, we all we have all heard the stories about, um, you know, taxes potentially being levied on beef animals. But there's also a lot of opportunities that we need to share as an industry because you think about all the grasslands that we have and, and just how efficient our production here is in the U.S. I mean, we have, we're the envy of the world when it comes to beef production. And so that's something we need to do a better job of telling that story. The other kind of key takeaway I would share is, you know, alternative proteins, there's been a lot of research done into that and the checkoff has really focused a lot on that. And I think what we're seeing is that consumers demand a taste, a good tasting product. And there's not really much of a comparison um, on the taste when you look at maybe a good ground beef compared to you know, some of these alternative proteins. And so consumers are still very much demanding our product. Um, and to me, that's a real positive. And I think about that personally because I, I think that is a threat long-term. We have to be very vigilant and make sure we always have that good quality product because I think ultimately that's going to that's going to drive consumer sales. So a lot of really good information here, but there's just a couple of the the key points that I would probably highlight. All right, thanks so much, Kevin. That again is Kevin Thielen joining us. He is the executive director of the Kansas Beef Council about this year's 2021 cattle industry winter business meetings. And if you want more information, all you need to do is go to beefboard.org and then go to the upper right hand side and click on Meeting Center. I'm Alex Wojcicki reporting from the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Yesterday, we heard from Lincoln Premium Poultry as they talked about this undercover video that was released over the weekend. Today, we look at the other side and mercy for animals. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Leo Garces is president for Mercy for Animals, and she talked to me about this undercover video that was done. So we are on, it's a farm in Nebraska that supplies chickens to Lincoln Premium Poultry and the investigation was conducted last fall. And other than that, uh, because of the sensitivity, I can't otherwise provide specific details about the investigation. Okay. Can you, can you kind of give me an idea? Was it in the Eastern, Southeastern? I can't. (laughs) We're being very careful and I'll tell you why because we're very interested in systemic change and we do not want to identify the particular farm or farmer. We feel like this is systemically happening. And if we identify a farmer or farmer, we're afraid that it, they'll be used as a scapegoat and it will be an easy out. And our concern, we are working to eliminate uh, what we see as a systemic problem. So we're really trying to identify a bigger change that will affect the entire Costco supply chain. So so the person that, that did the videoing, uh, were they employed by you, volunteered by you? How does that all work? Right. Um, yeah, some great questions. So basically the investigator is our investigator and they went to work and document the conditions witnessed. Um, and yeah, that's that's what they do. Every day they would go in and they would take footage. Um, and that's that's the gist of it. 
So, Leah, tell me a little bit more um, about about the time frame. You talked about it being in the fall. How long was this person, and I use the quotations, employed by a, by a local farmer to work at this operation? So the investigation was conducted last fall, as I said. Um, and as I mentioned, each day the Mercy for Animals investigator would went in to work on the farm and document the conditions witnessed. And like I said, because of the sensitive nature of an undercover investigation, I really can't give any details about the investigation methods. Did that person then quit or are they still employed at this point? I can't give any more information about the investigation methods. I'm so sorry. I watched the video. Considering what the base is of your organization and this person, I'm, I'm very surprised that they're almost condoning the abuse because they're not helping that animal to pick that animal up and help that animal out when that's what technically they were hired to do, even though they're working for you guys. Sure. Um, so they are working for the farm and they're following the practices that the farm laid out. And as Lincoln uh, Premium Poultry put out, uh, they actually made a statement which said, Everything here is exactly as, you know, what is documented here are the practices and standards that we um, are following and the standards that are correct. Is it is it hard, though, for a person to not find a way to assist animals then? Kind of goes against the practices that you guys are trying to prevent. You know, they're just yeah, filming so, it and they're not helping. So they have to follow the standards and conduct that are um, depicted by the industry. And as an employee of that industry, as they're hired by that industry, they have to follow Lincoln Premium Poultry um, requirements. That's my conversation with Leah Garces. She is president of Mercy for Animals. Again, they sent in one of their employees to secretly film the raising of birds in Nebraska. Again, she wouldn't share with us what part of the state these birds were raised in or the county or if that employee was still employed with that farmer. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Playpen on the Rural Radio Network. Let's check in with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter this week in grain. John, the settlements roll in on the grain, a sharply lower day. We even flirted with limit lower there in the corn market. What do you make of the day's trade? Did some liquidation following that with some funds taking some money out of the market? Yeah, I think, you know, the anticipation here is when you hear the crop is good in South America. Conab will release their numbers on Thursday. And, you know, we've got a wide range here with a lot of money in the system. You know, delivery period approaching. Seasonals tend to want to roll over here. And, you know, just some liquidation following a, I don't say a lackluster report. I didn't even want to categorize it like that. I just think, you know, to get this market to really trend more, you need to see that action. But, um, I, I, you know, two weeks ago we were trading at $12. A week before that we were trading at $14.35. So there's, there's you know, Back and forth in this thing is going to be the the story. So don't get too too into a trend here. I think we're we're really more sideways between say thirteen twenty and you know fourteen fifty for a while. Um, but yeah, we'll probably see a little weakness tonight and maybe clean up some some shorts. We're still halfway between where we were again two weeks ago in corn. Did leave a double top on the deferred contract though. So if you look at the spring contracts in twenty twenty two, there are some reference points to sell into if you wish. Now, looking here at the bigger picture, at the macro, we have the Federal Reserve, Jerome Powell, he's speaking this afternoon. Any risk to interest rates, in your opinion, and with that, does that have impact to the commodity trade? Well, yeah. So this morning, CPI numbers, they're going to gauge what they do with rates based off of inflation. You know, that's kind of the, 
the gravity of what we usually have to deal with here. You can borrow all the money you want, but at some point, you know, inflate your way out of it, and then the slope of inflation will be a rate hike come. But uh, the CPI numbers this morning weren't anything that showed me that they, you know, they're not inflationary to the point where they're going to hike, and then you know, I'm still dealing with COVID issues here. So I think the box is, is, is pretty tight for them. I'm sure they'll mention some things about interest rates. It's inflationary is more than transitory. That'll be a word you'll hear a lot. Um, but at this point in time, cheap prices aren't going to encourage more production. And, and really, we need the U.S. to produce more than they normally do. We need a trend yield on record acres. And that's an incredible ask. I know it's like, well, we take kind of what you offer do, do for granted out there in the field. But essentially, when, over the next week, week and a half, you're going to start seeing balance sheets that are really tight, penciling in 180 bushels per acre on 92 million. I mean, that's, that's you know, you're really maxing out the credit card and, and going out on the limb to think we can do that kind of uh, production. And in my opinion, demand isn't going anywhere here. So these are just breaks the buy, in my opinion. Look at September contracts. That's where the value could be. That's John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing. Learn more at danielzagmarketing.com. Do remember, trading futures is an option of all risk of loss. It may not be suitable for all investors. All right, thank you very much, Clay. That'll wrap up this Wednesday edition of Midday. If you miss anything, you can listen to our Midday podcast sponsored by Devaney Motors. That can be found at krvn.com.